You're listening to a DM podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the podcast with the best banter, greatest gut feels, and most ridiculous narratives on planet Earth. Get ready to dominate the NRL fantasy season with the team from Talking League. G'day guys, welcome to Talking League, we're a weekly NRL fantasy podcast. I'm your host TK, tonight we'll be starting our positionals, we've got Mid and Edge. Joining me is Jason Shooter and Jake, we'll bring him all in. Jace, how you going there buddy? Yeah, not too bad TK, and yourself? Going good man, how's the fantasy team going man, how many times did you change it today? Not too many times today, I think there's only the one change with the love interest coming out uh, for expense of Isaac Thompson, but yeah, fairly comfortable just to let sit there until TLT next week. Oh, he's dropped hammer, but his hat's still the same way, but uh, sorry, different way, but we'll, we'll see if he keeps that in. But bringing next guy in, Shooter, we love your hat tonight, mate. Tell the ladies and gentlemen about your LA Dodgers, so I'm jealous, my man. Well, it's just a nice uh, new new airline, the Golf, the Golf, it's called, Corduroy, very nice. You're looking cute, mate. Looking good. Now, last but not least, 27th birthday today. A big happy birthday to Jake Olive. Jake, happy birthday, my man. Thanks, TK. Uh, pretty excited. Even ex- more excited considering uh, Teamless Tuesday is a week away. So, really looking forward to a day. Mate, look at the commitment of Jake. It's his birthday. Could be out <laughs> celebrating with the missus. But he's just decided to jump on a stream with us. Must be. Hopefully, she's cooking you dinner right now, mate. No, I think we're going to be getting takeaway tonight. Nothing, uh, although nothing better than spending my birthday uh, talking about fantasy. Looking forward to it. I love it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what we'll do tonight, we'll go mids to start, and we're going to go through our guns, duds, mid-rangers, and cashy. So I made a bit of a rule for the boys tonight. Whoever they pick must be close to their team or pretty much in their team for round one. Because we had a couple of thoughts, shooter, from some edges today. <laughs> but let's start, Jace. All right, we're going to start with some mids, and we've got some absolute crackers, and I think this is probably going to be a great conversation because we've got we've got literally five. We've got Murray Cotter, we've got Carrigan, Hass, and Tarpany, and we're going to cover pretty much all of them. You want to curry, cover Murray, 904K, break even at 62. You are basing your whole team around him. Talk to me about him. Yeah, for sure. So... With Murray, I've spoken about him in a play and focus video, which you can see on Facebook if you haven't already. And, of course, the intro pod, if you go to the 26-minute mark, I wax lyrical about him for a few minutes. So I'll try and replicate what I mentioned there and not take up too much of the time on the pod tonight. But what I like about Murray is we've got that initial discount on him from that one in round 25 last year, which, you know, unlike Cleary, who actually got reverted back up 50K, he's actually kept that price. So... As a little bonus for a captaincy. Now, the thing that I like about Murray is the fact that we've got him for the first 12 rounds before Origin. Obviously, Cleary and Hines have got buys in there. So I like the fact that you can roll with Murray, be a captain every single weekend. Let's be honest, he's odds-on favourite to be the best scorer after 12 rounds, basically having the best average of any player that will play all 12 games. So I really like that. Now, the fact that I'm going with him as an alternative captain is obviously a very risky strategy, of course, because most of the pack are going to go with Hines or Cleary. So if he gets outperformed by either of those players, I'm going to be right back, uh, you know, know, in the five figures in terms of a rank. So it isn't without risk, of course, as well. We do need to keep in mind with Murray that he does have that HIA such neck injury history. Most of his HIAs come in early. So if he does get a HIA in an early game in an early round, loses 50K, um, you're going to be right up against it. So... What I like about Murray is he's going to be the captain you know, for South City this year. 65 to 70 minutes is what we can expect you know, most weeks. Probably rolls at a PBM. He's going to be close to Cleary and Hines if he performs at his best. And for that reason, I think he's a great captaincy option. Now, with Murray, I think it's a binary decision that you have to make. You either take him as your captain and base your team around him, or you leave him out. Because at 904K, in my personal opinion, having him as a player that you can't captain... In round one, is just going to be too expensive. Yeah, definitely some wise words. Mate, a little bit, obviously, from Saturday, it's hard to really gauge from trials. They probably have been a little bit different because Charity Shield, it kind of does have a little bit of history. They want to win the game. But we saw a lot more ball playing from him, Jace, on Saturday. And the other thing we saw was him exit the field after 30 minutes. They pretty much took the whole mid off. Now, two questions. Now, does the extended ball playing affect his fantasy value at all? And then the second one, 
was, do we expect maybe the split of 30-30 to maybe continue given the heat? Yeah, so starting with the 30-30, which is a great point, I think we need to keep in mind a Mudgee was 36.4 degrees at the time that the game kicked off. That was the air temperature on the field, on the grass. It probably would have been closer to 41-42, which... Go back a couple of so go go forward a fortnight. Shark Park, I think it's a seven thirty kickoff from memory. I don't think the field's going to be forty two point five degrees uh, at kickoff. It'll probably be a lot less than that, obviously, with the breeze that comes off the water there. So, I wouldn't be too worried about necessarily the heat because I think that'll settle down over the coming weeks. In terms of the passing game, yeah, look, there's maybe something in that. I think it's more about unlocking those playmakers that South have got. You know, you got Ilias, you got Walker, you've got. Uh, Latrell as well and if you've got Murray coming into first receiver and distributing out the back it does enable say Latrell or um, you know Walker even nearly three of them to line up on one side of the field and I think it'll open up opportunities for South and another thing is if Murray's going to be a good ball distributor you're going to have to respect the pass when he goes to the line which mm. of course if a uh, defender bites on a dummy that might lead him into an opportunity where he gets a nice angle on their shoulder opens up either a tackle bust, offloading or line break opportunity, which he got two line breaks on the weekend. One was off a good pass, but the other one he just steamed through a massive gap. So with that passing look, I probably wouldn't be too concerned about that. Beautiful. Now, Jackie, turning to you, you're going to stick with one of your Cowboys here, and it's our favourite guy, our favourite mullet, Ruben Cotter, mate, 744k. Break even at 51. We saw his kind of return to form and prominence last year, but what's your thoughts for this year? Yeah, I really like him um, this year. Um, Obviously, Breakout season last year, made a lot of money. Um, but I th- still think there's a little bit of value in him. He's priced at 51, but if you look back at his stats, he didn't play the entire season at prop. There was a few games there where he started off the interchange bench. Um, so I think you can get a little, probably about five points of value. You look at his games, you filter it by games of prop, and he actually averaged 56 and 61 minutes. So there's your five points in value. So you're getting both a gun, and also someone with that slightly little bit extra in value. So you're still making a good investment with him. Um, and I, I think he's a pretty safe option. You know, he's got a base of about 53 points, um, 41 of those in run metres, uh, 41 in tackles and 123 in run metres. So he's going to be consistent. It might fluctuate somewhere between, you know, 45 to 65. But overall, you're going to get a, get a really consistent player who doesn't really have a buy um, until round 15, um, apart from his origin game that will be playing in round 13. Yeah, Jackie, do you still favour him? We saw Carrigan versus Cotter, which was a great clash in the trials to actually see. Both played relatively well as well. But his upside compared to Carrigan is slightly cheaper. And I guess the other thing is he also loses his duel between the hooker and mid. And then, obviously, we saw that hamstring late last year as well. Any concerns around that? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I, I think it's very 50-50 with him and Carrigan. Um, I'd probably almost slightly tend towards Cotter, Cotter because he's he's that big minute forward in the Cowboys pack because you've also got McLean in the forwards, you've got Tamalol in the forwards. They're both ageing. Um, probably going to be rested a little bit um, throughout the year to make sure that they're right for origin um, when Cotter does leave. So I think Cotter's pretty safe for a big minute role where compared to Carrigan, he's fighting minutes with Payne Haas and Thomas Flegler too, up and coming. Well, not up and coming, they're already there, but you know, young forwards with really good um, work rate, really good engines. So I think Cotter's role and minutes is a lot safer than Carrigan, um, but I wouldn't be going astray from either. If you can get both, why not get both? Yeah, sounds good to me. Now, Timmy, you want to look at Joseph Tarpany, mate. 790k, a break-even of 55. Coming off a career year, mate, plenty of people stacking into him, but give me your thoughts on big Tarpany, mate. The first thing I like about Joe Tarpany is he's much like our boy Jake, whereas Mrs. wears the pants <laughs> and, uh, and get, gets him what he wants. But uh, no, nah. so 55 average um, and someone that's not going to play Origin and be affected by Origin um, and probably a team that's not hugely full of strong mids is quite tasty. I don't, I don't see his um, average going down too much from that. Um, he's priced at what his average is pretty much, so <laughs> give or take. Um, but he had a real good year last year, three average three tackle breaks, nearly two offloads a game. Um, he's in his prime, he's only 28. What what more could you want? No origin, like I said. He, averaged, he only averaged 50 minutes last year and still averaged 55 points, so his PPM's over one it's like one point zero nine or something PPM, which is which is not too bad for his minutes. So, 
Um, I'm pretty keen on him, eh? Yeah, Timmy. I've got him in my team currently. Any concern, mate? Ricky Stewart, like, he's just an absolute maniac when it comes to fantasy coaches. I know that he's moved him back into lock there, but any concerns about maybe him playing with his minutes week to week? Who who could read Ricky's mind? I don't know. <laughs> I I don't think so. Like, who's there? You've got Josh Papali'i, whose minutes probably are going to decrease slightly. Um, Emre Gula, I don't see taking too many minutes off him. I, I don't see too much risk, especially at his age. It depends how the Raiders go as well. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see too much risk in it, and I think he's a pretty good pickup. Nice. All right, boys, what we're going to do, because there's obviously Carrigan and Haas, two very good picks as well. Let's rank him one to five. Jace, so we're ranking Murray, Tarpany, Carrigan, Haas, and Cotter, one to five, one being your top pick. I think this is quite easy for me because I've actually got Murray, Haas, and Tarpane in my current side. So I would go Murray 1, Tarpane 2, Haas 3, Cotter 4, Carrigan 5. Oh, he's loading up on these mids. Going to you, Jackie. Yeah, I think Murray's probably your first one just purely because he's going to score the most points. Probably go Tarpane 2 just because of that non-origin factor, being a Kiwi. Haas 3, then probably Cotter, Carrigan. Nice. And then Shooter, turn it to you, mate. Last for your top five? Uh, mine's different to the boys. So my, my middle looks like this at the moment. It's Haas, Tarpany, and Kerrigan. But I'd probably, in, in rank, I'd go Haas, Kerrigan, Tarpany, Murray, and Cotter. Oh, controversial tonight. <laughs> now, boys, mine is Murray. I think he's an outstanding number one there. I think there's daylight second. But there's some really good picks. I've got Kerrigan two. I'm going to go Tarpany three, Haas four by just... And then Cotter, my man, five. But I really like Cotter, too. Five really, really good choices there. I think it just kind of will be how your salary cap works out. But I think all of them won't let you down. Boys, some players that will let us down now. No, 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 no. Let's flip the script. We'll start with you, Jakey. What's your thoughts here? Because you've gone over Gerbo. So we're talking about Jake Trevojevic. 641K, break even of 44, wearing a new jersey this year as well. But kind of is losing a little bit of fantasy relevance year to year, my man. Yeah, last year, I think his PPM just dropped down that slight little bit. He averaged 78 minutes, still playing a lot of big minutes, but that PPM down to 0.58, which is not too good. Um, just that newer game really just isn't suiting his style. He's more of a workhorse and a, has a little bit of ball playing in the middle, but he doesn't have that explosive game to really boost up his points from his base. Um, I I know a lot of probably fantasy coaches already know this. Um, they've seen the trend over the last few years, but it's probably more for those beginner coaches. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Jake Trevojevic being a Australian front rower, they might see him that little bit slightly bit cheaper at 640k, and think, oh, he might be a little sneaky buy. But yeah, he's probably fantasy wise, he's probably definitely a no go. I think he's going to average in those you know low 40s, um, even get down to 40 this year if, if we happen to see his minutes drop back a little bit. Now he's being shifted to front row. Yeah, nice. Now, Jace, turning to you, you've got Tommy Gilbert 567k break even of 39. Now, a lot of people were fishing for Dolphin, right? And he's kind of the standout because he played Origin, and a lot of people actually have him. But where do you see kind of the non-value lie with Tommy Gilbert there, Jace? Yeah, no, it's a good point in terms of fishing for value there with the Dolphins. And I think what our listeners have actually been fishing for is to get the uh, Dolphin sound on the uh, soundboard, TK. So if you can get onto that, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> now, Tommy Gilbert, this pains me because I really like Tommy Gilbert. Obviously, I'll be watching him run out uh, at Suncorp of the Dolphins' first game Sunday week. But I just... Is it, I think it was Willie Mason who made the point recently about stats not being everything about a player. I think Tommy Gilbert is a perfect example of that because mm. you look at his net tackle score last year. So net tackles is basically his tackles take two off for every missed tackle. 25.9 it was last year, and he played 58 minutes. So basically his net tackle is less than 0.5 per minute. So when you're a middle, that's pretty much where a lot of your points come from, and he just doesn't make a lot of tackles or run metres, and that's not to say he's a good player because he plays Origin uh, for Queensland and he was awesome last year, but he just doesn't accrue the stats in an NRL fantasy perspective. Like, he averaged you know, 39.7 in 58 minutes last year, and yep, look, he did spend some time on the edge and you'll spend more time in the middle, which might see an increase in some tackle stats for him. I just don't see it being large enough for that acceleration and value that you want from a player that you're going to pay 567k for. So... Yeah, look, he might get into the low 40s or the, even the mid 40s, but it's going to take him six, seven weeks to make 50 to 75K. 
It's probably not the play that you want to be going for, especially considering you have to chuck him back into the sea uh, once we get into origin season. Yeah, good advice. Now, Shooter, moving to you, we've got Stefano, mate. 396k break, even at 27. Had a really good first trial. Not too bad in the second trial, but realistically, they had a stack of mids not even playing, mate. Is that kind of where you fear him losing value? Yeah, because I got a bit, ex- like, I don't know, that first trial I got a bit excited without even th- thinking about um, that that was not, that was basically a New South Wales Cup team. Um, when you look at the middle, you've got Alex Twell, you've got Joe Offer, you've got uh, Johnny Bateman, David Klemmer, Alex Safarth, not, well, I don't know who's in the ahead in the packing order between those two, but I just don't see him getting the getting the minutes, which is kind of weird because you'd think a player like Big Stefano would be going up, but I think to get any value out of him, he'd have to leave the team and go to a team where he's going to be a starting prop where they're a bit light in the mid. Um, yeah, it, I don't see his average changing too much and his his minutes aren't going to improve with those middles that are there. His minutes um, last year were 34 minutes with an average of 27.7 points. So how does that improve with an even better pack this year? Yeah, I think you're fishing right because you're hoping firstly that he gets 45 to 50 minutes and then you hope that he needs to score one PPM every single time just to get you a good score. I think it's just way too much risk there, man. Yeah, especially at 400, there's better options for you to fill your bench around that price, I think. so. Yeah, for sure. All right, boys, let's move to mid-rangers. So I think that's where I'm thinking the best chat's going to be in this position. Now, Tim, just sticking with you, because you have having to go first, mate, Murata Niakore. Now, 533k, break-even of 37. Interesting role that we saw on the weekend, but where do you see the value in Murata, mate? I think a lot of the value comes in that role that he's going to play. So I imagine that he'll play much that same role from Sunday, mm. where he starts on the right edge, and then it looks like Joshy Curran's going to start on the bench, and then Joshy will push Murata into the middle, and uh, Tohu or Eden will will drop off, and Murata will play a few minutes in the middle. Um, so I, I see him getting probably around sixty to sixty-five minutes, which where he averages forty-three points over sixty minutes, which I think is not too bad for a mid-ranger. Yeah, um, he's got no, he's got. Unless injury strikes or something like that, I don't see him. He's not going to lose. Uh, he's not going to lose his position. Um, doesn't play or another one that doesn't play Origin being the Kiwi. So I'm always big on the Kiwis. And oh, I necessarily wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily sorry start with him. But he's probably one of those ones that's going to be a good pickup around the middle of the season, especially around Origin and that. Yeah, once he walks um, into that season, Timmy, because that mid-jewel could be very, very handy down the track. Like, we've seen Gallon do it before Wade Graham come to, well, at the start of his career at Cronulla. He moved from the edge and then moved into the middle. We saw last year Tommy Gilbert do it quite successfully. There's been a whole number of players over time, like, moving between the edge and mid. So, I actually don't mind the strategy. Yeah, the, the Warriors pack is really good for it as well. And, like, on the edge, he averages uh, just under 35 tackles and 88 metres I think at the Warriors, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for him, he'll be uh, making a lot more tackles beside SJ there. So his base stats, I think, will probably go up slightly as well and give him a bit more value. Yeah, Jackie, moving to you now. Both you and Riley were laughed at when you mentioned the name Mark Nichols. You're the first to do it, 426k, break in of a 29, and then second week of the trials, everyone wants to get in. But what did you kind of identify then, and what did you pick up in the trials last week? Yeah, Mark Nichols was one man Riley picked out when we were on the tech, uh, our sections of the textbook. Um, just looking back at his previous stats, he hasn't had too many games where he's played big minutes at the Rabbitohs, obviously having Totola and Burgess at the Rabbitohs, taking up most of those minutes, and Murray as well. Um this is sort of the first time in his career where he's actually been one of the, you know, best forwards. Well, not probably not the best, but most senior forwards in the team. Hmm. Um, and getting that starting spot, I think he's pretty safe for a 40-plus minute role. You see, see, he's partnering with Jesse Bromwich, who's also getting pretty old as well. Um, Gilbert probably doesn't play 80 minutes too often. So I, I think he's going to get a good chunk of those minutes at the start. Um, look back at his career. Um, he's only overplayed 40 minutes um, probably, I think it's around 10 times in his career, and it's in 2022 and 21, so it's pretty recent stats. Um, and what we found was he averaged about 43 and 45 minutes. Mm. And 
I think that 45 minutes is pretty much spot on what he's going to play. So being at a price at about an average of 29, that's approximately 14 points of value. Um, worst case scenario, you know, nine or 10 points of value. So I think he's pretty safe. Um, he's not going to be a gun, so don't expect the world out of him. And I think he's probably going to be a bit more of a slow burn. He's not going to be one of those players that comes out in round one, hits an 80, and gets his price rises off to a great start. He's just going to be averaging around you know, that 40 mark. Might get a 38 or 35 hit one week. Might get a 50 another week. Um, he's going to be a slow burn. So expect to have him in your side for about seven, eight, nine weeks um, to, for him to make his money. Um, works out well because the Dolphins don't actually have a buy until round 11. So... Around that seven, eight, nine week is probably the week you want to jump off. Um, I definitely like him, but don't expect him to make a huge amount of money quickly. Just expect it to be a bit of a slow burn. Yeah, solid advice there, mate. Now, Robbo, moving to you, we've got Tavita Totola now, 628k, break even of 43. Similar to Nichols of the fact that he's got a late buy. Like, his one's not to, I think, round 15 from memory. Now, He's a very solid player. We both had a very close look at him over the preseason. And he comes, you know, he's, he's really on that border of nearly being an origin player as well. South's a few injuries in that mid. So what are we expecting out of Totola? Yeah, the injuries actually could be quite interesting when it comes to Davida Totola. And the fact that, you know, the player we just spoke about, Mark Nichols, has left uh, Redfern probably opens up a few more minutes for Totola. And for, for those who haven't had the opportunity to read the article, Havili Headache, which I wrote just after Havili got injured and unfortunately two days before Heme Sele got injured, I did actually go through a pretty deep dive in relation to Totola's minutes. Now, the way I was projecting it, assuming Sele was going to be fit for round one, was that Totola would be pushing towards that 55 minutes on average because he's got the motor to do that and he's proven previously when he's had to play big minutes, his mixed tackles don't uh, jump up, but his output continues. So I still think 50-55 is where we can see him. The only thing that might make that a little bit complex is we saw Jai Arrow jump to the bench uh, in the Charity Shield, play through the middle for the best part of 45, 50 minutes, which might skew things a little bit until Sele's back fit, which from what we expect, Sele won't be available in round one. In terms of Totola's output, though, we might see a little bit of an increase in production if he can keep the minutes up because his PPM's pretty solid. Now, in the article, I sort of dissected his games where he played 40 minutes or more. Now, Totola is actually a great example of selective stats because if you go into 40 stats or any other stats provider and punch in 2022 Totola 50 minutes or more, you get nine games, 55.4 in 57.8 minutes, which you'd look at that and go, yep, auto buy, chuck him in your team. But in those nine games, he scored three tries, which is probably a bit too high of a strike rate for a middle forward. And with two of those tries, he had line breaks and tackle buses attached to them, which he's not a high tackle busting player. So you need to factor that in when you're actually going through and looking at a sample for Sotola. So going to 40 minutes is what I did in the article. 18 games, most of them after round 10. There was only twice after round 10 when he played where he didn't play 40 minutes or more. Mm. One of those, he got a HIA, played a minute. Another one was 39. So it just didn't fit in the sample uh, off the spreadsheet I was working off. So looking at those numbers, he has a base of 0.8, which is excellent because his base is literally tackles, run meters and discipline, which are obviously all negatives. So any attacking stats or dynamic stats on top of that, so if he finds an offload into his game or any tackle bus or falls over for a try, like I think three or four tries probably isn't unsustainable for him with his leg drive and the fact that Cook loves to find him near the posts, he's probably going to be a high 40s, low 50s operator if he's getting those minutes that we expect. Now, he's priced at 43 if he was to get 55 minutes, 0.08 base would be 44, which has that covered off. I don't know whether you necessarily get 55, but more in that mid-50s. He's a nice value prospect. I'm personally not taking him in my team because I'm going the three-gun mitts, so full disclosure there. But anyone looking to take Totola from round one, I certainly wouldn't take talk them out of it because he's going to play the first 15 rounds. Nice. All right, boys, let's move to some cashies. First one on our list, Jackson Ford, 340k. Let's cover him now because he's a mid-edge jewel. So he provides a little bit more value than some of the other guys now. Now, looking at his career, second row average of 41 from his 80 minutes, only three games. Looking at lock, we've got an average of 46 from 57 minutes. So a decent PPM. We know what the motor that he's got. Played really, really well. He was just racking up the points last week on that left edge. Shooter, I'll start with you because I know that you love the Warriors. Talk to me about how many minutes you expect him to play and maybe project him out. What are we expecting out of Jackson Ford? Uh, going Just going off uh, Sunday's trial, which it was a surprise to me. I didn't. I thought he was uh, signed as like a New South Wales Cup signing or 
or something for the team to be completely honest with you. Mm. Um, I reckon he's probably going to play that sort of 60, at least 60 to 65 minutes, if not more, um, which I think gives him great value for fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Jackie, just turning to you, job security, mate. You talk about a player, he hasn't played a huge amount of first grade, comes to a new team, got a little bit of pressure, especially with Joshy Curran waiting in the wings, even though he's probably playing more on the right. But is it one of those things that he's just his price is just too good to refuse, especially for round one? Yeah, that's why I got him in my team at the moment. Just after the weekend, 340k dual position is just too hard to ignore. But I definitely do want to have a look at that team list and just see what the makeup of the bench is when you know the team's reduced back down to 17 players. So who's the two second rows? Who's the other uh, bench forwards? Is Does he have two utilities or one utility to the bench? How many props are on the bench? Just really want to just try to get a good understanding of how many minutes he's going to play before I jump on him. But at this stage, I'm pretty keen on I think he can do well. Definitely, Robbo. You also are going to be locking in like all three of us. That's the plan at this stage. Again, assuming that he gets a starting jersey in round one, and of course the bonus with the Warriors is they play the second game of the of the week. So we'll have the nineteen squad, nineteen man squad sorted before the first game kicks off. But worst case scenario, if he gets subbed out onto the bench, you know, late last minute, and that you know that uh, last hour before the game kicks off, we can always flick him out. But with a buy in round twelve. He's looking pretty good from the start. Nice. All right, boys. Let's. We've got a couple more. <clears throat> excuse me. Cashies to cover. The first one is Ben Murdoch Masilla. Now both Jace and Timmy favour him. Two hundred fifty k break even of seventeen. Pretty good on the weekend there, Robbo. He actually played very very big minutes, and you know not a lot of players played great on the weekend for the Dragons, but he's definitely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. He was probably one of the few standouts for the Dragons in that effort. He kept it going for the best part of 65, 70 minutes, didn't drop his effort at all, didn't drop his head, and I was pretty thoroughly impressed with him. And what I like about Ben Murdoch Masilla, and I'm probably the last person in the Talking League team to go on narratives, but I think we've got a narrative here with the coach in Anthony Griffin, who I know you've interviewed before, TK, because shock horror, I actually had a look and researched your interview that you did with him. In relation to the fact that Griffin was in the coaching setup for the Tongan side in round 2019, when they, of course, beat us, and deservedly so, probably one of the best moments in rugby league in the last 20 years. And we know about Anthony Griffin is he's a creature of habit. You go through, have a look at the Dragons team from the, the, the uh, years that he's been there. Have a look at how many ex-Broncos have been in that team or have mm. subsequently joined the team after he came on board. And I think with... Murdoch Basilla, we've got a little bit of a familiarity bias here, potentially with Griffin, which I think means he'll get a little bit more rope if he gets given that left edge spot in round two, which is another factor we need to keep in mind. I think we might be onto something here. Now, in terms of starting edge for him, we haven't got much to go off. 2021, which is always a dangerous year when it comes to stats, he got five games starting on the edge. He averaged 33.8 and 46.2 minutes. Now, only a five-game sample size, so I'm going to run through each score. He scored 22 and 48 minutes, 50 and 42 minutes, including a line break-based try, 54 in 50 minutes with a line break-based try, mm. 7 and 37 minutes where he had a couple of errors and got sin-binned, and then 36 in 54 minutes. Now, that last score is, I think, best-case scenario that we potentially get 55, 60 minutes out of him, plays at a 0.6 ppm and gets in that low 30s, which are 250k, TK, that would actually be a pretty good deal. Yeah, great observations. Shooter, just to wrap things up, because obviously we didn't see Jack DeBellin and Jack Bird on the weekend. We're expecting to play them, and would you, obviously with him being on the list, he's pretty much a lock in your team for round one, so you do want to ride that kind of risk out. Yeah, for, oh, before I get into that, I just want to um, jump on um, Jace's narrative about Hook. He would have been the coach as well when Ben was at the Panthers also. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure. Let's have a little look. Just adds to your narrative. Yeah, I think it was around 2000 and – I think it was 2014 as the Tigers. He was at Panthers, eh? Yeah, he was. 2014 and 15. And Anthony Um, Griffin. Keep going. I'll I'll do the research for you, mate. Yeah, Cheers, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> um, what was that? Oh, oh it's a good, bird unfortunately, you're out of by a year, but it was a good narrative. Oh, yeah. I, just, I was just thinking when, when uh, Robert was saying. But um, I, I imagine uh, JDB comes and plays in the middle, and with all the dramas they're having around the halves, I imagine Birdie will, 
will play six with um with Hunt where he finished the season last year. Um, but who who actually knows? There's also I can't remember where I heard it. It might have been Ed on their podcast um, talking about that he's lost like a whole lot of weight. He's lost like 16 kgs or something. Mm. Um, so that could uh, be helping with his fitness. He did look a lot slimmer, and uh, from what I saw, and he does have like that explosive game where he could rip out some tackle breaks and tackle busts and line breaks and all sorts. So he's nice close to the line. He's a, he's a big boy, so he might grab a few meaties. Nice. He'll get a mid-edge duel if he gets that edge. In. Oh, actually, he won't. That's probably one thing that he won't get because they're not redoing it after round two. But still, maybe after round six, you'll get that duel status there. But still, someone to consider there. Now, wrap us up here, Jakey. You're going for Ray Stone, 257K, break-even of 80, 18. Now, this is the second Dolphins player, which is unusual for most people. Not many people carry two Dolphins. But talk to me. Can we have two Dolphins in the team? Where's the value you see in Ray Stone there, mate? Jakey's glitch. Jakey's frozen. And he's hacked his Wi-Fi. Yeah. His <laughs> wife wants him for dinner. Yeah. As you say, Ray Stone and Mark Nicot. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll swap her over. You boys keep going. I'll, I'll jump back. Yeah, Ray Stone's an interesting one. He played really, really well in the first trial. Got some huge minutes, scoring a great score in that first trial. I guess the interesting point is that they'll probably carry three edge mids on the bench, probably Jared Wallace, Herman Essa, and probably himself, and he'll probably have to split that with Tommy Gilbert, unfortunately, and Tommy Gilbert's one of their main men. I think we got Jakey back to finish the analysis on Ray Stone. Yes, our boys, the internet just dropped out, so this rocky internet's no good. Um, but yeah, uh, Ray Stone, I, I, had, I don't have him in my team so far, but just that first trial game where he scored 46 saying lock just shows that it, there might be a little bit of upside into him. Um, similar to Mark Nichols, I think he's probably going to be more of a slow burn um, rather than someone who's going to score really big really soon. Um, so, But the downside to Nichols, I don't think he's good enough to be in your starting 17. So if you do pick him, probably someone to have on somewhere between your 18 and 21st spot. Um, just as a bit of cover. Um, especially if you have someone like Brandon Smith um, and Hopgood in your starting side and you don't have that cover on your bench. So probably cover, don't have him in your 17 and expect him to be a slow burn as well. Nice. Now, before we move to edges, boys, what we'll do, we'll read out to the people what mids are in our team at the moment. So grab that. I've got mine in front of me, so I'll read mine out. I've got Tarpany, Brandon Smith, Carrigan, Hopgood should get a duel in that first round. Jackson Ford. So I've got the five. Rob, have you got yours in front of you there? Yes, I do. So I've got Brandon Smith, who will be a starting hooker for me because I'm only going with two hookers, Boyd and and, uh, Smith. In the start, we've got Murray as captain, Haas, Tarpanay on the bench. We've got Hopgood, the hopeful dual position player, Ford, and Ben Murdoch-Masilla. Perfect. So you're running six. Timmy? Uh, I've got the Cheese, I've got Haas, I've got Tarpany, I've got Carrigan, I've got Hopgood, I've got Jackson Ford, and I do too have Marky Nichols. Nice. So you're running seven. That's pretty good. And then, Jakey, wrap us up here, mate. Yeah, I've got Smith in my hookers. Um, Hart, my starting front rowers, Haas, Tarpany, Nichols, and I've got two bench ones. So Hopgood will get the DPP and Ford. So that's six in total as well. Perfect. All right, boys, let's hit some edges and... Let's go through a few of these guns that we're considering for round one. Now, Robbo Hamale Olakowatu, massive rap that you gave him in the preseason potty. 731k break, even a 50 was in an outstanding form last week, man. What's the value you see in him and how close is he to your round one team? Okay, so yeah, full disclosure, I'm not going to be taking a gun edge from the start of the season, but of course we need to cover a stud on this particular podcast. What I like about Olakowatu, though, compared to some of the others, is the price point he's at, and I'll get more into where I think we can target him this year. But 2023, we've got whoever starts on the left edge for the Panthers, we're going to lock them in. We're going to lock in the two starting storm edges, and we're also going to lock in Hopgood. So you've already got four edges there that take up a you know maybe about two million of your salary cap, or a little bit less. Probably don't need another uh, natural edge in there. So no gun edges for me, but I do like Olakowatu. Now, I did speak about him on the Manly Pod and the play and focus in terms of when I would like to target him. Now, 
Looking at last year, he had two phases to the season. The first 18 rounds, he played 15 games, averaged 54 when Manly were going all right. And then in the back quarter, where he played six of those seven losses that Manly had, he averaged 42 and a half. So a real drop off once Manly sort of fell off that proverbial cliff. Now, Olakowatu is an explosive player. Just asked Joseph Suali'i after last week. I think with a player like this, we've got potential to time the market on him. Now, I look at between rounds four and seven, might be where we might be able to find some value because in this rounds four to seven, he plays the Rabbitohs, the Knights, the Panthers, and then the Storm, which we've got three top four contenders there and the Knights, who he traditionally hasn't actually scored that well against. So if he was to average low 40s across that four-stretch of game, his break-even calculation would probably bring him into the 600s. He starts at 731. And at that point in time in round eight, you're potentially looking at getting rid of a couple of cash cows that have peaked and then looking to make those little upgrades moving up into origin. Now, if he was in the low, if he was in the mid 600s or mid-high 600s, we can probably bank on him averaging 50. So we've got a nice little value there. 11.5 mil, probably got enough cap room to be able to go and bring him in. Now, that sounds pretty good, round eight. But two things to worry about with him up until that point is obviously origin contention because he's been playing very, very well the last couple of years. And he has had elbow issues in 2021 and 22, which obviously, if you want more details on that, NRL Physio's got that covered. But I think he's low risk in terms of watching him. I reckon round eight or nine might be the time to pounce on Olakowatu. Nice, I like it. Now, Jakey, just turning to you, mates. You've got David Fafita, 771k, break even at 53 in the contract year. Had a pretty good trial last week, but is he in your team for round one? And tell me a little bit about the upside that you see in him. Yeah, he was in my team for most of the preseason. I've only just taken him out recently with uh, four, Jackson, uh, Jackson Ford, get that jewel. Um, and I've got a uh, gun winger fullback instead. But um, I still like him, eh? I. I I think he's got a lot of value. Um, price of 53, and last year when he played that 70-plus minutes at second row, he got 62 average. And I think this is, I think this is going to be the year where he starts to be consistently getting those big minutes. Um, and I think it's going to be good because of the halves. So you got Tanner Boyd, his um, high school mate, um, who's played a lot of footy with, and he's also got Kieran Ford, who's a bit more of a calm head um, to control the team as well. So I think that re- that halves combo is really good for him to be able to just get some consistent footy um, they're going to know when to get him the ball, how to get him the ball um, and I, I think contract year he's going to have to have a big one he's he going to be playing really well trying to get more involved, trying to be more solid with his defence and the last thing I just want to note with him I think he can be a pretty good pot option as well because with all these edges that are value players, a lot of people aren't going to be dishing out much money on the edges so mm. if he can sneak in David Feeder as well as all these other edge value players, um, if you can somehow fit them all into your team, I think he can be really good because he's both one of those similar to Cotter. He's a gun, plus he has value as well. And probably not likely to play Origin either. I think there's a few more in front of him, so I think he's going to be really good. I might sneak him back in before uh, before round one. We'll see how we go. Under 5% owner there, Jakey. You could be onto something. Now, Tim, turning to you, you've got Isaiah Papali'i, 886k, break-even of 61 now, he moves clubs to the Tigers, as we know, loses his mid-jewel, but he looks pretty sharp last weekend in the trial against the Raiders, mate. What's your thoughts on him, and how close is he to your team? I, I'd i be interested to see his um, ownership at the moment. Actually, I forgot to look, but um, I haven't really seen or heard him talked about a lot this off-season. 5%. In terms of... Um, in terms of uh, fantasy, maybe his price, everyone's going for the sort of cheap edges, but... The thing is, he's got the he's got the pedigree. He's been like the best edge in the game for the last two years. He's only twenty four. You'd think he'd be like closer to thirty. Um, he plays big minutes. He averages seventy five minutes for sixty two points last year. In a weaker team, I don't necessarily see his base going down. He'll be uh, Lukey Brooks' bodyguard, making tackle after tackle, uh, and he'll be. Luke, Lukey Brooks will be putting them through holes as the Tigers go on their, uh, their big run to 10th place. <laughs> <laughs> now, boys, what we'll do, we'll do a roundtable and we'll go, let's disclose who's in our team edge-wise and what we're thinking strategy-wise. Now, I'll, while you guys get your teams up, I've got Walton, Katoa, Hopgood can also be a jewel, Liero, Ford, and Dory. And am I, I'm not paying above 536k. I just see too much value in that position at the moment. Jace, turning to you. 
Sure. So we've got Elisa Cartor, Trent Liera. At the moment, Luke Garner is sitting there because Zach Hosking is only 1K more expensive. I'll take whoever gets that job. Uh, Hopgood, Jackson Ford, and at the moment, a bloke that we'll talk about later, Sean Bloor, is also sitting in my 21. Yeah, nice. And the strategy that you're kind of thinking there, Robert? Right. So I like Liera and Cartor. We expect those to get the starting edges. They're two players that play the first game, so I can just lock them into the starting 13. We're good to go. Hopgood, obviously highly owned. Not much to say there. Uh, whoever gets the Panthers left edge should get plenty of opportunities. Ford, we've spoken about before, dual position, round 12 by bit of upside there. And Bloor at the moment is a 250k placeholder that might get replaced if a better option becomes available on TLT. Nice. Shooter, who's in your lineup, mate? And what's the strategy you're kind of rolling here, bud? So the edges I've got, uh, I've got, I've actually got David Fafida, uh, Jermaine Hopgood, Trent Lohero, uh, Jackson Ford, Zach Hoskins, and Sean Bloor. I and I've also got Matt Dory. Um, I just brought Fafida into my team maybe today or yesterday. Uh, I just, because he hadn't been talked about and he's quite low ownership, I thought he was like a really spicy pot option. Um, I don't know if I'll stay going that way because it is quite a bit of money and I could maybe upgrade my centres a little bit or Mm. something like that. But um, currently I'm quite liking, like I think I have a really good Ford pack at the moment, so... I like it. Now, Jackie, turning to you, who's the edges that you've got in your lineup? Boys, do you remember last year? I swear there was a point where I picked up Brady Jones and I only had three edges. I'm pretty pleased with the edges that I've got right now. And I think it's the first time maybe in history. Jackie, who you got, mate? Yeah, very similar to you, boys. I've got Leo and Katoa. I think they're probably two safe options. Being in a good storm system, probably going to stick with him for a while. Um, Bench Hopgood, he's going to be a gun. I, he's going to be in my seat, team the whole season, I reckon. I think he's going to average 50-plus. Um, Dury's in my emergencies, and then my last two are Garner and Ford, and they're probably the two that I'm a bit iffy on. Um, looking at Garner, probably in t- TLT, looking to see if Hosking's on the bench, because if I, if he is, I don't think Garner's going to play 80, uh, and vice versa. If Hosking's starting and Garner's on the bench, I don't think they're going to play I think... Um, Martin's going to be that dominant second rower getting 80 minutes this year. So just having a look at TLT and just have a gut feel from there. Similar to Ford, we obviously talked about him before. Have a look at that bench rotation, see if Curran's starting or on the bench and see what the makeup of the uh, Warriors are as well. I like it, Jackie. No, 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 no. no. Now, Shooter, just staying on that, because you've got Luke Garner as your dud, so you're probably pretty much giving up on him after that one trial. He's kind of seeing the same sort of volatility as Jackie is. Yeah, like, I don't know if I'm being too harsh, but I'm also looking at it from a bit of a like a system point of view mm. where edges at Panthers, um, I don't know if it's the right way to look at fantasy all the time, but I do it quite often. You look at previous edges in that, and he is not Kiko, who did was like a barnstorming edge who scored tries and bumped off everyone. Um and I see them. I see him probably doing a lot of decoy runs with Isaac Tango and and whoever is going to be the winger on that side. Um, like we do know, he is capable of scoring real decent uh, fantasy scores, um, and he did it at the Tigers, who are a pretty horrible team, to be honest, at the time. Um, but I just think Hoskins. I personally think Hoskins is ahead of him. But I don't know if you, whoever you take, whoever gets that starting role, you probably take. Nice. All right, moving on, Robbo. Kurt Capel, 517k break, even at 36. Has given us bits and pieces, mate, over the years. But, yeah, it's, it's a very hard to take here, mate. Yes, but 4.67% of coaches disagree with us at the current ownership stats. Now, with Kurt Capel, again, like Tom Gilbert, I really like him as a player, despite he being a Queenslander. But the thing with Capel is he's a good, solid operator, doesn't let the team down. You would have seen at the Sharks as well, TK. Just played his role, whatever he's required to do. And if you look at his recent seasons, he's been rewarded with that. You know, plenty of glory with the premiership with the Panthers and, of course, winning, I think, two seasons of uh, origin with Queensland. He's a good NRL player, just doesn't do it in fantasy. And I guess, you know, two main factors there. Lost his centre tag in 2021. Prior to that, he was an edge back rower playing that you could stick in the centres and worked out quite well, particularly in 2020 for coaches outing before he got injured. The one stat that concerns me with him is 4.2 missed tackles per game last year. Now, not all missed tackles are made equal, particularly those team missed tackles. And you'll see Catewell is often flying out of the line on a kick chase. He's the first one there to slow down the fullback uh, or, you know, on an early tackle count. 
He misses the player, but slows him down, so a teammate comes in and cleans him up 2.2 seconds later. But unfortunately for him, that's a neg too. So with Kate, well, look, good brand recognition, great name, but yeah, fantasy, unfortunately, just not a real asset. Yeah, all right, Jake. Jakey, moving on, and you've got a dud, one of your own Cowboys, mate, Jeremiah Nanai, 645K, break even at 45, just signed that massive new contract. But talk to me, you don't see him repeating the fortunes from last year. No, obviously love him as a player, but he's one of these typical ones that are coming in second year and already fully priced out and off the back of a really good last season. So he scored about 17 tries in the regular season last year. Um, I I still think he can keep that up. He's an attacking weapon. He scored in the trial match. and I I still think he can keep a really good try rate, but it's not going to improve. There's really no upside. It's either going to be exactly the same or go down. So... He's one I think I'm definitely going to avoid. Um, even watching that trial match, his defensive techniques not changing really. He's still playing the exact same way. He's still sort of coming out of the line and putting hits on rather than hitting and sticking. So he's, I think he's still, still going to keep those, you know, two or three missed tackles per game that's going to drag down his score below 50. So expect him to average somewhere between 40 and 50, depending on um, if you keep that try scoring rate up. But definitely an avoid for me, no value there. Yeah, it's a weird one, right? Because he's going to get so much confidence going to the World Cup, but he probably needed another preseason to work on his defence. So you've got these kind of conflicting things the probably risk is just way too high for Jeremiah and Nanai. But got some great mid-rangers to cover here, boys. Robbo, we'll start with you. And we've got Katoa to start. I know that you love to pronounce it, so I'm going to let you do that. 448K. Break even at 31. Give me a little pronunciation, because I know you work hard on this, mate. I'll be honest, I don't know if I've got this one down pat, and I'm more than happy to be corrected by it on anyone's social media. I go with Eliyse Katoa. Again, happy to be corrected on that if that is incorrect, because... Not the best with uh, Togan names. Now, what I like about Elias Akatoa from a fantasy asset perspective is there's about four factors that are really encouraging. There is obvious role and position opportunity for him at the Storm. The price he's at, he's a mid-ranger. We need mid-rangers in our initial starting 21-man squads. We need to find a few of those. Plays in the first game in round one, which we touched on before. I like the fact that we know an hour before kickoff what he's doing. Is he starting? Has he been moved last minute to the bench? Mm. Has there been Joe Chan added to the bench or something like that? We know exactly what he's going to be doing from kickoff, unlike some of these other players that play later in the round. So I love that security that we get with Kartor. And probably the most important part as well is that he plays in a very, very strong team that should be in and around the top four that has three elite playmakers that are currently fit. Obviously, Pappenhausen's um, still recovering. But you've got Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster and Harry Grant that could potentially feed him ball. Now, having a look at Kartor from last year, 2022, 41.4, sorry, 41.1 minutes he averaged last year, 31.3 fantasy points. So he didn't exactly redline himself last year. Like It's not like he was playing 70, 60 minutes week in, week out. Now... Should get some more minutes if he's going to start at the Storm. We can expect that. But when he played 50 minutes or more last year, and again, this kind of contradicts a point I went on to Tola with in terms of uh, a small sample size. He only did it five times last year, but this is how he went. He scored 59 and 73, 41 and 64, 44 and 64, 32 and 55, and 50 and 73. And in those games, there was only two tries and two line breaks, so it's not like he was you know, getting lots of attacking stats. And that was an average of 45.2 in those five games, which mm. would I expect him to go at that rate this year? No, I wouldn't. Realistically, flip the two and the five around, 42.5, that's probably an optimistic projection for him, which I think he could probably do if he gets 65 to 70 minutes. Now, he's priced at, I think, a 31, as you mentioned there, that's potentially 10 points of value. And again, 18.2% ownership plays in that first game. He's just going to be a very highly owned, very popular asset. So if he fails, you're going to fail with the pack. But if he does really well and you don't pick him up, it could be curtains for your season come round three or four. Yeah, Jackie, turning to you now, I think Andy's in trouble here. He might lose his love interest the way you're talking, mate. Jermaine Hopgood, 453k. Break even at 31. We should see him get a duel in round one. But yeah, give me your thoughts, mate. Yeah, and he's probably not going to be too happy. I think I deserved uh, to get it off him now, I think, after he <laughs> talked over me the entire Talking League draft and he uh, put me on mute off for the entire night. So maybe I can steal his love interest off him and have to have Hopgood and Cotter as my love interest. But but no, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with Andy. He's going to, I think he's going to be a gun. Like, looking at the All-Stars game, uh, 74 points there at lock, and then obviously playing with the Eels the following week, 63 points at lock. He's going to be a superstar, getting that dual position, uh, mid and edge. 
Um, and I think he's going to be really important to Para's season. Um, he's just that little bit of X factor. I think that they need to be able to go from a top four side into a premiership threat. So look for him to play big minutes and be a big part of their, you know, um, attack sort of like what Isaiah Yo does. Um, both, you know, defensive and attacking wise, he's got the base there and he's got the offload. He's got the tackle breaks to be able to be a, you know, elite gun. So, I. Not a, probably not a big call, but I think he's going to be in everyone's team pretty much the entire season. I think it is a big call. He's only 30% owner. I don't know what the other 70% are doing. <laughs> Obviously not watching anything that's happened over the preseason. But let's wrap things up with you here, Timmy. Now, you've got Teague Wilton here, buddy. Now, 536k, break even to 37. Talk to me a little bit because everyone's a little bit frightened because he's such a heavily reliant player on tries. But what are you seeing out there? Um, as a starting edge last year, he averaged 49 and as an interchange edge, which I don't see him being on the bench this year at all, he, was, he scored 25.9, which was which is a bit on the low side for what you want. But yeah, definitely with that starting edge, I uh, am definitely really keen on him. He averaged 35 tackles and 99 run metres in 80-minute games last year. Mm. And I don't see uh, Wade Graham taking much minutes off him this year being around your age, TK. Um, <laughs> Thanks, mate. That's a wrap. It's a, it's a, I'd love to be 33. <laughs> it's, it's my age. Seems way older than me. No. Uh, the thing about the tries, he scored six tries over 22 games. Uh, there's not a lot of tries, really. 0.3 tries uh Per game, if you can per, if you can break tries down like that, but um, it's not actually as much. It's not as big a factor, I think, as everyone thinks it is. And I think he's just such a gun player. Um, I think he's in for a, quite a big year. Yeah, I, I'm in the reverse, Timmy. Like I love the fact that he scores tries, and the reason why he scores tries is I know that I'm a Sharks fan, but for me, and the Sharks have this as their strength. Him and Nakora are the best two whole runners in the game, and that's just their strength. Like, I reckon just backing because you've got a second rower who's similar to like someone like a David Fafita can actually score tries. He's actually quite a big, big boy as well, eh? He look, well, he looks pretty big. I don't know his official uh, um, height and weight, but he looks like a pretty decent, decent unit. Hmm. No, I'm definitely going to like him. Boys, let's talk some cashies. To finish, there's a few good ones. Timmy, we'll just stick with you. Cashy Joe Chan, 230k, break even a 16. Are you worried about his role at all, mate? And does it affect also, Robbo made a great point before about Melbourne playing first and having it be able to have a look at both Katoa and then also Liero as well, mate. How does Joe Chan fit in? Because he's got a lot of experience from the Super League. Yeah, because he's really young. I can't remember his age, but he was born in the 2000s, so he is very, very young. Uh He's got a good pedigree as well with Alex Chan as um, father. He's 20 years old, mate. Yeah, so he has played like nearly 40 games or something over in the Super League for a really gun team in the Catalans as well. Uh, so he scored seven tries last year, which is probably no mean feat. Um, we saw, saw in the weekend how good Super League teams are, despite what everyone thinks. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Penrith fans. <laughs> um, but not really. I, I, like to be honest, I don't know what his role is at the moment, and, and he's a bit of a dark horse. But um, from knowing what Katoa's uh, time was like at the Warriors, loved him as a player, but spent a lot of time off the field. Um, but I've, I've got a few stats from his uh, Super League year last year. So he averaged zero point six line breaks uh, a game last year, two point five five tackle breaks with games of five, seven, and nine tackle breaks. Uh, average 124 run metres, 43.7 post-contact metres and 23 tackles. He did have quite high missed tackles, so nearly three missed tackles a game and nearly one error a game. But he played, uh, he averaged close to 60 minutes and seven games of 80 minutes. So he's a he's a fit guy and later on in the season you could see him playing quite a bit of footy. So he's definitely one to, to put a little stab aside and... Um, if he comes in, he's going to be a cheapie and he'll probably make some decent cash. Yeah, put him in the black book for sure, ladies and gentlemen. Now, moving to Robbo, uh, Sean Bloor, 250k, break even of 17. You've got him as a placeholder at the moment. Played really well, mate, on the weekend. And just hoping that he keeps that health. But, if, yeah, mate, if he makes it back into the team, Johnny Bateman, they're even talking, maybe even not even playing in round one, man. 
Yeah, no, it's interesting you talk about the injuries there. For long-term NRL fantasy, NRL dream team players, they probably remember the good old days of Michael Cheekham, MCK being the myth in terms of being this awesome fantasy option in pre-season and being nowhere to be seen in the early rounds of the season. <laughs> and Floor was turning into that, but I think we might actually get him this year, which is very, very exciting. Now, I do expect that he'll start on the right edge. Yes, Asu Kapoa did get the start on the weekend, but I think from my understanding, and I say my understanding, it's basically stalking uh, big Tigers Twitter accounts and seeing what they have to say. They just saw that as a bit of an experiment for Kapoa to see if he's got the versatility to potentially be like maybe a bench utility if they decided to go away from having, say, a Simpkin as that you know backup hooker, having Kapoa who can play across the back line and potentially in the back row might be interesting. So I think he'll get the start. And he'll probably keep it until Bateman's ready to go, which, yeah, like that could be round one, could be round two, could be round three. Lottie DeCury reckons he'll be good to go for round one, but we'll wait and see. Now, with Bloor, again, to find some back row stats for him, we have to go back to that dangerous year of 2021, but it's more dangerous for outside backs uh, in general. But he got five games in, sorry, not five games, six starts there at the back end of the season. I think it was from rounds 20 to 25. 44.3 points in 75.7 minutes. And he had no tries, no try assists, no line break assists. Now, in those games, I did see a few of those in 2021. What I liked about him was good first contact in the tackle, so he tends not to slide off the tackle. When he makes contact, he gets that one point for the tackle. And he also got a few offloads away, which obviously, uh, if he's able to do that now in 2023, he'll be getting four for those whenever he finds Dwayne at the back. So... I guess we need to contextualise those stats, obviously a very small sample size, but if he got, say, 55, 60 minutes in there somewhere, got a PPM of maybe even 0.6, 0.7, averages in the low 30s, maybe nicks a try early on, he might make 125k in quick cash. Now, the issue I have, and the reason he's a placeholder at the moment, is the Tigers played the last game of the round, so... You know, Tim Sheens and the boys there at the Tigers might put up some mischief and decide to stick him on the bench or kick him out of the 17 in the last game, and I might not have many options besides like a Lofiana Khan Pereira as a, a player to swap out. So I think for Bloor, what I want to see is not too many other cheap mid-edges in that 250k range, because if there's none other ones, he's probably going to end up on my team, and I'm going to be praying that he stays fit and gets me some good cash. Nice. Now, boys, a bit of breaking news. Josh Schuster did his calf in round last week's game. So he's out of round one. They've got to buy in round two. They're looking at maybe round three or four for him to come back. So, yeah, we can scrap him off. Anyone, I know a lot of people are after Josh Schuster, and he obviously comes under the half and edge position, and he was currently owned, as we speak, by 23% of teams. So that's quite high. But, Jakey, let's finish with you, mate. Matt Dory, now 250K, break-even of 17. We've got Ryan Madison out three weeks. We've got Sean Lane missing a minimum of three weeks. With his jaw injury, could be even longer, mate. But played relatively well last week in the trial. Has played before at Canterbury, a lot of first grade, and he's coming off an ACL. But, yeah, talk to me about his value there for round one. Yeah, I think the main thing there, TK, is with Madison and Lane being out for those first three weeks. So his job security is going to be very good for those first three weeks, which is where you make most of your money as a cash cow. Being 250k, so price of about 17 points. So we don't need him to go massive. We just need him to score, you know, around that 25 to 35 point mark at a minimum to make money. So I think he's got the job security. He's got a pretty bad PPM, so his track record is not good. So when he plays, he pretty small sample size, but he's played three games, uh, 70 plus minutes, where he's averaged 37, and he's played. Let me just change it again. I think he's played. Yeah, six games at 60-plus minutes where he's averaging 32, which is what that good job security can just bump that average up a little bit more for the first three weeks, and then you can just ride him out to around, you know, five, six, seven, where you'll be looking to upgrade him to someone else. Yeah, I think so too. Lock him in the emergency, and you never know. When Madison comes back, they might roll him through the middle and a little bit of edge, but I do expect Dory to hit kind of at least 60 minutes each week. All right, boys, we're right on the hour, which is perfect. So thank you for your thoughts there tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, tuning in on Facebook Live or in the audio the next day. Stay tuned because we're going to be having halves and uh, halves and hookers next on Wednesday night, same time on Facebook. And then we'll be finishing off Thursday with the uh, with the centres and wing fullbacks. I've drawn the short straw, unfortunately. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in. Robbo, thank you for your thoughts tonight. Made some ripper content there tonight, buddy. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. And, uh, yeah, TalkingLeadPod.com, a couple of articles there. One will come out tomorrow with the whole writer's room. So Jake and myself are involved in the writers. We've got our season preview. So if you look out for that to come out early tomorrow morning. Perfect. Now, Shooter, mates, really enjoyed the Sunday with the Kiwis, mate. I thought that was a cracker. Yeah, mate, I think it's a week off this week and then back into it next week for uh, round one. So I'm looking forward to a good season of Warriors disappointment. Who said you could have a day off? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I assumed. That's what Kyle said. <laughs> and Jakey, mate, enjoy your birthday, mate. Thanks for jumping on on your birthday night. Have a few, I know you love your scotch, mate, so have a couple of scotches for us tonight. We'll have a couple of scotches for you, mate. Thanks, mate. Will do. Thanks for having me on. Um, pretty happy. Good birthday present getting Hopgood as my uh, new love interest. So, got two now. So, yeah. Good pick up. I love it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Same time tomorrow. Same time on Thursday. 7.30, 7.30 and 9.30 over in New Zealand. So, 7.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. 6.30 in Queensland. 9.30 in New Zealand. So, we'll catch you then. But thank you again for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.